Join us and Neighborhood Cats for all you need to know about Trap New to Return, TNR, and Colony Management. You'll learn the basics and walk away with the tools you need to be successful in helping outdoor cats. Workshops are typically held the first Saturday of the month. Registrants will have the opportunity to earn a certificate. For more information and to register today, go to communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Lauren Dar. Lauren is the founder of Left Paw Press and the Pet Fashion Guild and has written dozens of books on pet fashion, pugs, and marketing. Most of her time is spent managing her son's racing career. He's in NASCAR's ARCA Minard series and philanthropic efforts uh, like the Zachary Tinkle Racing for Rescues Initiative, where they deliver supplies to pet shelters in cities where he races. When not doing that, she's focused on writing and creating pet and race-themed art and designs. Lauren, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me and inviting me. I appreciate it. So before we jump in and talk about all the incredible details of the most favorite, favorite book that I have, and I use it all the time, the 2022 Pet Business Marketing Almanac, and we are talking about the 2023 version, but I have dog-eared and marked up and referenced many, many times the, the 2022 version. Uh, share with us first, you know, how did you become passionate about cats, animals, and, and really tell us about this project with this book? My experience with animals started at a very, very young age. My first cat probably had, even before I could talk, um, a black cat that I was so creative with the name was called Kitty Cat Dar. And then when Kitty Cat Dar passed, I had Tigger. So I have a long experience with pets from a very young age of probably at least three or four years old. My first pug um, was a rescue pug before we really started even talking about rescue. So I'm probably showing my age a little bit there. And that was Tootie, who had been given up to the vet uh, by the breeder and needed a place and a home. And so we ended up with Tootie because once I saw her, I was not not having that dog. So that's my experience with animals. And um, from a very young age, dressed them. And that's how, uh, from a very young age, I loved pet fashion. And so then many decades later, after having a marketing career, I went to FIT in New York City, commuting from Chicago to New York. And um, the Almanac came about because one of our classes was about marketing and one of the, the things that was said was look up pet holidays in order to promote yourself on social networks and, and whatnot. And uh, there were a lot of little friendly tips and tricks and things like that in the class. And it seemed to me like the work between the students was redundant. And I had already had several books published by that time. And I thought, well, why don't we have all of this in just one handy dandy resource that we could all use and just go okay, here are all the pet holidays. And so that's how it started. And it's evolved many years over to include additional holidays. And 
um, more information on marketing. How do you identify a holiday? And do you find that one section or one place will say the holiday is this date and then another place will say the holiday is this date? I mean, is it hard figuring out all of these holidays? It, it was. It can be some tedious work because do, if you do find dates that conflict, then I go and research it. And then generally you'll find that there's one date that's more consistent than another. And or I will um, include both dates in the book as the holiday if they both seem like they're both as popular as each other, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, I I can't tell you enough. I reference this. Many folks know at the online events that we have at the Community Cats podcast, I do a lot of cat trivia, and I've utilized many of these dates for cat trivia. You had mentioned social media, using these dates for for social media. And if this book's been around for 10 years, social media has changed a lot in the last 10 years. I'd be curious to know what your opinions are around social media now versus 10 years ago. Oh, I think it's gotten, you know, a lot more complicated. Obviously, we are now having video. When I started out, it was more text. I'll look back and I'll see some of my old posts from Twitter or Facebook has the memories in it. It basically was a text on something. And then we evolved into photos and now we have video. And quite frankly, to someone like me, I I feel like it's gotten a lot more complicated and, and more difficult to manage. But, you know, such is life in the digital and social media age. I guess that's just an observation. It's not a complaint is what I'll try and say. (laughs) Right, right. This book, in addition to having a listing of holidays, there's a lot of other information in here. Things that I think would be very valuable for for small groups, even for individuals. There are a lot of individuals that listen to this podcast. They're just, they're trying to, to help with lost and found cats. They're trying to help a colony of cats and they want to notify the neighborhood. You actually have quite a bit of information about sort of marketing, outreach, you know, you have a here, I'm looking at do-it-yourself branding basics, just a whole range of different, how did you come up with these topics and decide to put them in the book? And, you know, what was your purpose when you were thinking about putting this information in? It really was targeted to either the, you know, a solopreneur or a small business or a small organization that really, a lot of times you find that a person that has no history of marketing, which I had the marketing background in a corporate life, they just kind of feel like they're kind of thrown into this job and they don't know what to do. And I really wanted this to be helpful from that standpoint. And so I took some of the knowledge that I had from the years and thought about it from a small business standpoint, or even a nonprofit organization standpoint of here's some of the basics to help you at least upstart and continue marketing, especially if you're on a shoestring budget. And you have also a listing of quite a few different organizations or how to reach out to organizations to get the word out. You know, how would you recommend a a small group connect in their community or get the word out about either their, their cats they have for adoption or doing outreach or education about, you know, what does an ear tip mean in the local newspaper for those towns that still have a local newspaper you know, I mean, how do we, how do you recommend that, you know, we work on communication? 
I think a lot of organizations are finding success with social media these days. And a lot of times the social media posts can lead to more coverage, whether it be with the newspaper or with the television station, especially if it's something that may have gone viral, um, especially if there's an event that's been held. So that would be my recommendation is be consistent with social media and then also start some of that outreach to um, producers at local radio or television stations or editors at magazines or newspapers so that it can really elevate the organization and the brand to continue the cause. How much time do you think uh, folks should spend on marketing and communications? I mean, also, we are faced with many people who, you know, are the chief cook and bottle washer. Is that the phrase, right? And so (laughs) how do we divide our time? Yeah, I think that's a personal decision on how much time to spend on something like that. And, And really, a lot of times, it may be a decision of just really picking your lane. Am I doing Facebook? Am I doing Twitter? Am I doing Instagram? Uh, is, is TikTok where the people are that I'm trying to reach? I have been in the same position of being cheek cook and bottle washer uh, with my son's racing team. So I absolutely understand not being able to keep up with all of the, the social media and the marketing demands and things like that. So I think it really is a matter of you know how much time does someone have to devote overall and then how much of that that slice of the pie can be divided up and devoted to social media. You know, there are some people that, you know, I think you could probably do it even just a few minutes a day to have regular social media posts, but um, consistency I think is more important than, than just uh, volumes and volumes and spending hours on it, especially Mm -hmm. if you're on a shoestring budget, which uh, to me, a lot of the organizations and the rescues that I come in contact with, that's the predicament that they're in. So I would hesitate to say you need to spend X number of hours every week on social media because, you know, as, as a mom and, and everything else in life, I completely understand that there are people that simply just don't have that time to devote. Right. right. So tell me a little bit about the project that you're doing with your son. He is in the entry level of NASCAR, the Arkham Menard series, and we partnered with Grateful Rescue out of um, Muncie, Indiana this past year to take supplies to different rescues in cities where he's raced. And so we started out with Halifax Humane in Daytona and went to Tuscaloosa near Talladega. And it started because my husband had a stroke about a year and a half to two years ago, um, June 29th in 2021. And we really thought that his racing was over, but Someone had heard about his talent as a race car driver, picked him up, plucked him out of late model racing after we had shut down our own family owned team and put him in the Arkham Menard series. And so we sat around and later at the end of the season said, we have been so lucky and so blessed when we thought everything was over. You know what? We don't have a whole lot as a family, but what is it that we can't we do have and what can we do? And we had his little trailer from when he raced mini cup half scale stock cars. So we said, why don't we use it to take supplies down to rescues? And so that was the initiative. And a friend of ours, um, KJ, who's the kitty cat correspondent on Pet Pals TV, introduced us to Grateful Rescue. And it, you know, it just went well from there since. And 
Um, we're looking to really grow that and we established the Zachary Tinkle Foundation. So we're looking to see where things grow from there. Is your organization struggling to keep up with the needs of your community? Well, great news. Dubert.com can help solve that problem for you with their companion case management module. It allows you to create cases for all your clients' needs. Send emails and text messages right from the system. And with Dubert's powerful, innovative thinking, you can also set up and initiate workflows that will pretty much do the hard work for you. Exciting, right? Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. Did you learn anything seeing these different organizations? I assume this was over the summer. Yes, it started actually in February of last year. The, the the race season is longer than a lot of people probably imagine. <laughs> longer than sometimes I would like for it to be, to be honest. <laughs> um, so it started in uh, January, February of last year, and our season uh, ends in October, sometimes November. So uh, there's not that much off season. So a lot, we learned a lot. You really see the variety of organizations and the resources that they have. Um, You can go to one place that has literally a a nice facility and they're, they're big and they're, they have staff and volunteers. And then you go to a place that is just absolutely completely the opposite and, you know, really figuring out, where are the places that we can meet the needs the most is one of those things that I think we want to focus more on in the future. Were the organizations all shelter organizations or were there any that were rescue groups that didn't have a physical shelter? We did not go to any place that uh, is a rescue that does not have a physical shelter, but we do have Kentucky and a pug rescue where we got our pug, which is actually based here in Speedway, Indiana. And, and we do things on our own as a family for Kentucky and a pug rescue on the side donations and whatnot. And that is definitely something that we want to look at more in the future. And I know that there are um, feral cat communities, um, volunteers that are really stressed out and overwhelmed with all the work that they have to do because they don't seem to have help with that. Um, So those are definitely things that we're going to look at. um, How can we help those organizations in the future? In the book, uh, going back to the book here, do you mm-hmm. have any favorite holidays? Well, if we're talking about traditional, more conventional holidays, mine is Valentine's Day. I just, you know, as an elementary student, I just loved making the little envelopes that you would get your little Valentine's in. <laughs> I don't know if kids do that anymore, but for me, that was fun. And it's uh, something that I always enjoyed. My kids did that in school still, too. My kids are now old, though. so. I guess I I don't know the answer to that question. And so February, looking at February, we have here, it is uh, for cats, it's National Cat Health Month. It is Spay-Neuter Awareness Month. Uh, I think those are the two key ones for a National Pet Oral Dental Dental Care Month. 
that are good for cats. So February is a busy month, especially spay neuter is such a biz, busy month. Mm-hmm. I think it, does that seem to be one of the more popular ones or is there a, a month that seems more popular to you in looking through these different, you know, key holidays? I think you definitely hit it. Um, February does seem to be a big month, especially things like the dental health. That is a big one. And I think some organizations purposely put them in a month where there is not necessarily another really big holiday, for example, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving. That way, maybe they can get more attention for those particular holidays themselves. That's just my guess. But definitely February is, is a big one. Yeah, I'm looking here at February 14th, um, at, which is National Pet Theft Awareness Day, World Whale Day, and National Hippo Day. So it's got three in one day. We have a busy day today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. And pretty soon, February 22nd is Spay Day USA. And then February 26th is World Spay Day. So those are all both very important days in my mind, as I am very focused on on spay neuter. Um, but again, I just think that this book, I think that the Pet Business Marketing Almanac, and and it's number ten. Um, so you've been doing this for ten years, right? Yes, um, is fantastic, and it has you know tips on how to network. So if you decide to go to a chamber of commerce event or something else in your community, or I've been asked to speak at Rotary. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think there's some great tips in here that I'm going to use in preparation for my presentation at Rotary upcoming in the next month. That's wonderful. Rotary and some of the other community groups, I think they're a great resource. They're always looking for speakers. You can practice your speaking, you know, skills and your storytelling skills. And they give charitable contributions to organizations after you've told your story. So um, I think that this book would be great to help prepare anyone for any sort of um, networking, public speaking. There's so many business associations out there, especially I think even there's a lot of networking with young professionals now. And I don't know about you, but I feel there's a, a challenge with succession planning from organizations. I think that there's going to be a turnover in leadership and either these organizations, the small ones, they're going to survive or they're not going to survive. And I think we need to find some young professionals to come in and to join our boards to help with transitioning over into sort of a next generation. Just my opinion. I don't know if you've seen that too in your experiences. Yes, I, I, I completely agree with you on that. There definitely needs to be succession planning and getting the, the younger people involved. My son is 20, and he is probably the youngest person in the room when we go to different events and, and different organizations. And, and it's kind of an anomaly that and he attracts attention because of that, because they're like, well, you know, what's this young guy doing here? But at the same time, I would like for him not to get that attention just because he's the youngest kid, quote unquote, kid in the room. He's still a kid to me, but technically an adult. No, I agree. And I think we need to really strive to bring in some younger folks into our, into our ranks, onto our boards, into our committees. And obviously, if organizations do have paid staff, you know, make sure there's diversity of age within the staff too, for sure. So Lauren, if folks are interested in purchasing the uh, 2023 edition, where would they find it? 
They can find it on online book retailers like an Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. They're readily available there. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? I can't think of anything. I really appreciate your having me on. And I love the fact that you have it there with you and that it gets used because it sounds like you are using it in the way that I envisioned. And um, I love that. I appreciate that. I've thought about having a um, show me your book and a prize goes to the most dog-eared book at the end of a year contest. So (laughs) (laughs) I love seeing what you're doing with it. Thank you for that. Excellent. Yeah. I would say it would be dog-eared. It would be marked up, but I also, I do stickies instead because I try (laughs) to keep the integrity of the book, you know, whole. So, uh, but it's, um, if I could, I would mark it up, but I try to protect the book. So it has stickies in there for sure. But Lauren, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today. And thank you for being a guest on the show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.